So I started working on this episode about media literacy back in November, I think, of 2019. Um, and, and sitting here now in July of 2020, um, it almost feels like I'm in an alternate universe, <laughs> and that might be an understatement. Um, and it's been interesting and, and scary sometimes to see how people choose to leverage their own media literacy practices in a time when like information, you know, during a pandemic in some ways is, is literally life or death. Um, and then disinformation and propaganda have like not only played a huge role in how Americans choose to behave and protect themselves from COVID-19, um, but it's also played a huge role kind of in how people are responding to the uprising and kind of racial reckoning um, that's happening right now in this country. Um, so it feels like every day at this point, something, you know, earth shattering happens, uh, whether it's the women's reproductive rights being threatened, decisions about, um, you know, be, whether or not people have the right to discriminate against trans folks in the workplace, um, pressure from the current administration to open K-12 schools and universities by any means necessary. Like, there's literally something um, every day. Uh, and this episode of the Mask Lab podcast doesn't really even begin to do kind of all the work that I feel like is, is necessary right now. Um, but I do hope that it makes listeners think about, you know, our roles in producing and consuming media responsibly during a, a time of, you know, crisis. Um, so with that, I'll uh, go ahead and roll the tape. MaskLab is a hub for multimodal and digital scholarship that explores the relationship between media and our changing society. We support curate and create media intended to spark dialogue and social change, and the development of pedagogy that uses media to foster civic engagement. MassLab is located in the Communication, Media, and Learning Technology Design Program at Teachers College, Columbia University. What is media literacy? We hear about fake news and evaluating sources and being critical consumers, but what does it all mean? And more importantly, why does it matter? To answer these questions, I decided to sit down with Professor Joanna Litterat, a media literacy expert who researches online creativity and youth digital participation, in addition to serving on the board of the National Association for Media Literacy Education, or NAMELY. So, a, a small piece of, I think, what you do, yeah, because you do so much. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Too <Focuses>. much. <laughs> Especially with the civic participation piece, mm -hmm. focuses on media literacy, right? Mm -hmm. um, so... Obviously, here today we're here to talk about you know what media literacy is and kind of just give a basic like media literacy one hundred and one. Um, so, in really simple terms, could you just tell everyone what media literacy is? Sure. So, media literacy in very very basic terms is about being smart, not only about consuming media but also about producing media. Um, it's about learning to think more critically about the media messages that we receive, but also share and produce. Um, it's about being able to not only access um, but also analyze, um, act upon, and and create media in all its forms. Okay, so then I guess how exactly did your research lead you to media literacy and what what attracted you to it? Like why are you passionate about it? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I always cared about education and I always cared about media and media literacy is 
um, the intersection of the two in such a timely, relevant, significant way. And at MassLab and in my own research, I had always been interested in media literacy. Um, I'd written about it actually since my um, doctoral studies. But given the moment that we find ourselves in today, it becomes all the more important and all the more urgent to devote significant attention to it, to raise awareness around media literacy. So I hope that with my scholarship and um, also with my uh, activities at MassLab, I'm not only contributing to research around media literacy, but also contributing to uh, a better understanding of it, to raising awareness around it. So to summarize, media literacy encompasses the practices that allow people to access, critically evaluate, and create or manipulate media. In today's media landscape, where anyone and everyone can produce media with virtually no accountability, media that oftentimes appears credible, these skills are immensely important. Also, I should say that I'm a board member of the National Association of Media Literacy Education, namely, um, which is a great resource for media literacy um, educators and stakeholders. It's a very strong network. Needless to say, we received a lot of attention after the election. So we say that in many ways, the election is the best thing that happened to us. So at least there's one good thing that came out of it. Um, but the downside of that, and I'm jumping around a little bit here, the downside of that is that the election and, and the aftermath of the election, and not only in the U.S., but globally to the kind of social political dynamics that we're seeing and journalistic dynamics that we're seeing have um, focused the attention on fake news, which is just one part of media literacy. It's one... Uh, soldier, I guess, in our fight um, for media literacy. One regiment, maybe, not just a single soldier. Um, so it's great that we're talking about fake news, but that's just one part of the conversation that we should be having. One key area of research for Ioana, in partnership with TC professor Yu Kyung Chang, has been leading the development of Lamboozled, a deck-building card game designed to teach middle and high school students basic media literacy skills. Obviously, I know uh, a bit about the game that um, we're working on evaluating, not even developing anymore. It is done. Um, <laughs> well, the first, you know, yes. official iteration is it's done. It's very exciting. <laughs> so what are some of the strategies um, for evaluating a source that um, obviously are, have been a part of your research, but then also kind of made their way into the game? And I guess if you could talk a little bit about like why each of those is important. Some questions that we try to encourage uh, students to ask through our game and that really everyone should be asking as part of media literacy education is um, who created this story or this content? And We're not just talking about news, right? These questions could apply to commercials, to entertainment media. Um, so who created this? Who's behind it? Are they an individual? Are they an organization? If so, what do we know about them? Why was it created? What is the main aim? What is the um, the intention between creating and sharing this? Who gets to profit? Um, maybe who wins and who loses? And we think that really young kids, like even, even in primary school, can be asking these questions about the media that they consume 
but also it's very important as um, kids get older and they get to encounter more and more political media too to ask very nuanced questions um, and to understand the whole ecosystem of news production and dissemination and the whole media ecosystem that this content is part of. In addition to speaking to an expert, I wanted to find out how other people practice media literacy. So I set up some equipment in the teacher's college library and annoyed a few people to the point where they actually agreed to sit down with me and talk about their media literacy practices. To facilitate the conversation, I had each of them listen to the following clip, then asked them what their thoughts were about how credible this source of information was and what questions they would ask to further assess the source. Donald Trump is about to face the Senate impeachment trial. And in advance of it, uh, his team called the entire thing uh, rigged. And he's right, but like not in the way that he means. He means that like it's rigged against him when more than 50 senators have effectively said that they are going to turn off the free will center of their brain and just do whatever he wants. And even that's not enough for him. I just wanna touch base with the American people because everybody is saying, here's what the people think. And every once in a while, it's nice to actually look at what the people think. Donald Trump says, nobody's interested in this. Turns out that's not actually true. And the Lev Parnas uh, revelations of the past week apparently have nudged even more people in favor of Donald Trump being removed from office. There's a new CNN SSRS poll showed 51% of those surveyed want the Senate to make Trump the first president in US history to be convicted and forced out of office compared to 45% who think the Senate should not do so. The immediate first thing that comes to mind while listening to this audio is the speaker seems to have a bias just through the intonation, just the way that he is talking. I am very intrigued by the content he's bringing into frame. I want to immediately go and look it up though, because I don't know if I should believe him or not because I'm hearing all this bias through his word, th sorry, through his emotions. I would look for like other sources and compare like what people are saying to see if they're, if there's like, if people are like agreeing or like different other sources that I know are agreeing. He was probably getting a lot of his information from maybe some reliable sources. But um, the way he's piecing together and picking and choosing specific information to help build a more um, biased perspective of, of the information, I think that's where like um, you can uh, you can like hear the bias like within the way that the words that he uses and how he um, calls like some of the con uh, Democratic congressional members like truth truth tellers or people that want to learn the truth that he's already cited with one side and so therefore you can paint the rest of the picture the way he wants to. Not that the information or the statistics or anything might have been a fallacy or anything like that, but the way he's piecing it together and painting the picture creates a more biased narrative. Um, so after listening to this clip, I noticed like how they provided statistics and uh, had sources to back it up, such as like real uh, CNN, if I was just listening to it, I would be like, oh, that makes sense. Or it would be really helpful for me as a listener to um, be like, okay, maybe, well, I can go back to these sources to see if it's actually true. Who is he? What has he been talking about in other areas? Is he consistent? Or sorry, is he, does he have um, a constant message of these liberals, as he, I think, mentioned? Um, and I would 
not only want to look at what he's been producing, but also who are the people who are following him, looking at the ecosystem surrounding him and his news sources. I do like the fact that he's bringing in other areas of content, but I don't know if they're being used um, appropriately. I'd want to go and look those up. Um, so a lot, of, a lot of this makes you consider what is actually real. And then beyond all those things, I would really like to um, understand the actual content of his discussion. I don't know enough about the area to really speak to it. I'm not, a, um, I'm not an expert, but I would want to do some, my, some, own di some of my own digging because I don't want to just trust him and his words um, based on everything I've heard so far. The clip that I use here was from a video called Poll, Americans Want Trump Out, posted by a verified YouTube account called The Damage Report on January 21st, 2020. The host of The Damage Report is John Iderola, an American talk show host, YouTube personality, and political pundit who serves as a main political host for the online news show, The Young Turks. Feel free to flex your media literacy muscles and do more research of your own about the source. Something else that we've been trying to encourage or rather foreground with our game is the issue of agency. We know based on recent empirical research that youth feel very disconnected from um, the news ecosystem as a whole. They feel that news are not for them, that news are not about them. They feel this distance that we're trying to chip away at. So you mentioned that students feel like, well, and not students, but I think people, yeah. even more broadly speaking, feel like they have a lack of agency when it comes to the media that they're consuming and perpetuating and creating. Um, do you think that those two are correlated or what do you, are there other causes that you've researched? And I think the bigger question here is what things do you think we can do to improve it? So there was recently um, empirical research report from the Stanford um, History Group, I believe it was called, um, that got a lot of attention in the press. Um, and the main takeaway of that report, that was about high school students, but again, like you said, I think it's applicable beyond, was that uh, young people have very low levels of media literacy and civic reasoning online, although they think that they're very good at it. Mm. Um, and this is a problem. <laughs> um, and actually, if you ask people on the street or um, if you just like uh, have an open poll, people will tell you that they're pretty good at media literacy. But the reality is that they're not. Um, so it's also a question of realizing where we are right now, like kind of taking the pulse of the situation, mm -hmm. um, realizing where exactly we're lacking. Like we need to have a more nuanced understanding of what are the, let's call them areas of opportunity in order to then address those areas of opportunity um, through more targeted, more, more specific interventions. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Mask Lab podcast. If you'd like to learn more about media literacy, the National Association for Media Literacy Education has resources on their website at namely.net. You can hear more about Joanna's work by listening to season one, episode two of the Mask Lab podcast, where she discusses youth political participation and online creativity more in depth. If you'd like to learn more about Mask Lab's game-based approach to learning media literacy, check out lamboozled.com. If you have any thoughts about the episode or media literacy resources you'd like to share, 
give us a follow and tweet us at MassLab. This episode was produced by me, Ajane Truss, in collaboration with Autumn Park as members of MassLab at Teachers College Columbia University. This episode was also edited by me, Ajane Truss. Our theme music is Grandma's Impala by Sarah the Instrumentalist, available at YouTube's No Copyright Music channel. Visit our website, masklab.org, to listen to our podcast series, read blog posts, find out about events, and follow our research.